Cars today are safer, more reliable, and packing more technology than ever before. But if you're looking for an appliance on wheels, this isn't your show. We want to help everyone find a car they'll really love, capable on the commute, and a laugh on your favorite road. If you take the long way home, this is for you. New cars, used cars, whatever your budget, whatever your needs, if you like to drive, we want to help. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. We're really excited that you're joining us. It seems like the podcast numbers are going up, you know that? Just checking they the are, analytics. Yeah. Things are, yeah. people are, are listening and you're writing in and lots of stuff is happening. We've got actually yeah, lots great. of comments I mean, pouring in, which is great. Yeah, we've got good good Facebook questions. You guys are getting on board with that now, which is really cool. So we're doing that and we've got a lot of questions coming in. We're still very seriously considering adding a couple podcasts a month just to cover volume and just because you guys are finding and liking the podcast. Thank you mm -hmm. for that. Please keep rating it. By the way, you can rate it on Stitcher just like you can on iTunes and in both places you're helping us grow and rise up in the ratings. And iTunes, we're pretty much a top 10 podcast for automotive all the time now, which is entirely due to you guys. So please keep rating and writing reviews. Yeah, this is pretty awesome. We've got uh, car debates that we're diving into. And I just want to say, it mm -hmm. only took me 30 minutes to decide on the cars that I think these guys should get. You know that? Okay. I'm good. I'm hey, I'm glad you did it that. quick. I'm pretty good. stoked. We've got good. Rick and Nick for the podcast for the car debates. Yep. Rick is writing to yep. us. And he is the guy that brought the Million Mile Lexus out uh -huh. to Utah. And we yep, reviewed that. Yeah, brought it Salt Lake last year. Yep. yep. Um, as a matter of fact, I didn't get to drive that car because I was kind of gallivanting southern, gallivanting mm -hmm. around southern yep. England at the Goodwood Festival of Speed <laughs> while you drove the car on the track. But uh, <laughs> It was a very odd week. But Rick was, was. helpful to us in, in his big road trip bringing the Million Mile Lexus by. And he's actually a big friend of our show and also Smoking Tire and even the Hooniverse. So he kind of covers all bases. I wish we were closer to Rick because he also teaches, I think it's uh, auto mechanic work for, um, he teaches all of that for high schoolers and does a lot of work on cars for Hooniverse and Smoking Tire. I wish we had that expertise close by. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, it was great to have Rick bring the Million Mile Lexus and we're going to do a car debate for him for sure. That'll be fun. Yeah, pretty cool that he's written in just to you know say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm curious what you guys think. So we'll tell you his story in, a, in just a little little bit. We've also got Nick. He is in Washington, D.C., writing in mm -hmm. just recently, actually, and he and his wife have kids. And get this, they're both professional classical musicians. I don't think we've ever mm -hmm. covered cars from musicians. That's pretty random. You know that? And it's very specific. Yes, exactly. And and, and we're, we're, we're firmly into a skill set I do not have. So uh, <laughs> let's talk cars, which is something I maybe can speak about. Talk cars. And yeah, th this will be fun. I'm, I'm glad. So Rick and Nick, thank you for writing in. We're going to cover the stories yep. for both these guys in just a little bit. Definitely. We have a couple things we should cover first, though. And one of them is, is I want you to kind of give an update to the audience about uh, your potential long-term car. It is a long thing coming for you to discuss that. Yeah. Why don't you talk about that? But because of the FRS, obviously you guys talk to us about any FRS-related stuff. We have that uh, tuning video coming very soon. But this past week, we're sure you noticed there was a, a leak or a drop or whatever. Toyota has talked about they're bringing the revised now Toyota 86. So the FRS that's dying from Scion is reservoir directing itself under the Toyota brand. It's coming to the New York Auto Show. Now, unfortunately, we are before the New York Auto Show when we do this podcast, and I, in many ways, want to wait to see the actual reveal pictures because I never entirely trust these studio photos right, that, right. that leak prior. However, so many of you have talked about it and sent us photos and asked us questions. I wanted to at least touch on it briefly and at least in what I'm seeing so far. And again, I don't want to dwell. I want to wait until we've got better photos. But I have to say right now, I'm not liking the changes. I feel like there are things about the Scion I prefer over the, over the Subaru and vice versa. This feels like they took the things I didn't like about the Subaru and decided to put them on the Toyota version. I don't understand it. Yeah, I'm looking at these photos of a blue car on Autoblog here. And uh, yeah, we have not seen anything from the New York reveal yet. We've not seen them on the road. And actually, my yeah. opinion sometimes changes when I see it in the flesh because your Agreed. distance Agreed. to the proportion of the car. So things can change. But I will mm -hmm. uh, I'll agree with you here. And I kind of feel like Toyota has reached that age, which, which some of us do sometimes. And we go from the, no, you're not supposed to do that to, what the hell? Let's try it and see what happens. <laughs> I kind of feel like they're, tr they're trying it out with this car because I don't like well, the pictures yeah. either. I'm surprised and well, going, I mean, you had an opportunity here. 
what's going yeah, the on, front, guys? The front and rear lights look really good. They've added the kind of mouth guard bumper that's on the Subaru has now been added to the Toyota version, which baffles me. <laughs> I just completely don't understand that at all. Right. And it's got these little catfish fins. I mean, I, I, I do. I want to see a photo taken underneath the auto show lighting that's an actual photo somebody took on the day. That'll That'll inform us a lot better than these, but... I don't feel like this is the right direction. And, of course, everybody is laughing about, there's been a five horsepower and five pound-feet increase in torque. At that point, it's, that's almost a joke. That almost feels like right, we're just right. teasing at that point. That's ridiculous. Yeah, that's pretty funny. All right, well, so it remains to be seen, I suppose. We've got to see them on the road. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, just the general proportions. Things change. Different lighting, you know, not the yeah. money shot that this, you know, photo I'm looking at here. It's nice, juicy, low-eye level, the money shot. But... Yeah, we'll see. Well, and I don't, I don't mean to be geeky, but one of the things I always liked about the Scion one that is that is evident on the Toyota one as well is I always liked the '86, the actual piston logo that they have on that front quarter panel. Oh yeah, the Subaru right. never had that. It always had that stripe, that kind of, uh, I don't know, aerodynamic line through that pl- same place. Fake and I was like, intake, That's thing. a bummer. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> that fake intake thing, and I've never liked that. And I always thought the 86 thing was better. Well, now you go to, you make it a Toyota-branded thing, and you walk away from the 86. I'm, I'm just baffled. I don't, I don't understand <laughs> the thinking here. But we'll wait until we see the real one, and we'll talk about it further. But I want you to talk about your long-term car thinking because well, it's very intriguing. <laughs> Things are happening. Things are happening. Things are underway. So good news, everyone. I, uh, as you know, I've been pursuing the BMW M2 and really wanting one of these cars. Both Todd and I having driven the M235i here as well yep. as in Germany yep. in the pilgrimage film. And I, mm-hmm. I love that car, and I, I just – I knew that I would like the M2. I just – I know that yeah. I will. Yeah. So they're hard to come by. And I started calling around to different dealerships, and I thought, well, the California dealerships, they're probably going to be besieged by orders with mm-hmm. you know maybe just people who are speculative or you know I don't know I, I certainly enthusiasts but I just feel like there's going to be some gouging going on and so oh, I yeah, thought I think well you know I I want to get one how do I get one you know try the the less usual suspects and by that I mean dealerships sure. in Idaho and Colorado tried one in Illinois started to call around and I started to get a very different story from every dealership. Yeah, yeah. So what's funny is <laughs> the Colorado dealership that I called, and I'm gonna call them out on this, this is Coe's BMW. They're between Fort Collins and Loveland. And the general manager gets back to me and says, well, we're all sold out of 2016 M2s. I'm thinking, <laughs> um, well, that implies that you had a lot to begin with. Being sold exactly. out of something means you had them to begin with. Now. <laughs> Maybe some dealerships are getting a car, and BMW is getting it out there to dealerships to promote the car, to get it out there. It, you know, They might put it up for sale if they want to. They could leave it in the yeah. showroom. And I did find one in Chicago. It was a white M2 with the DCT, but it was ten grand over MSRP. And so everybody's yeah. leaving that alone. Everybody's yeah. going, no way. They're going to start making but, these but cars I, eventually. But I agree with you. It's, ooh, we just sold out. Stop it. You <laughs> yeah, haven't yeah. had one yet. Oh, you're just the last... Man, if only you yeah, called me an hour earlier. Missed. Like no, 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 not Come gonna on. play your game. And so what I ended up doing was good news. I put down a thousand dollars deposit on mm-hmm. my slot, so I'm number five. But now awaiting a build allocation from BMW. Yep. What's yep. interesting is BMW is being very cagey and not very uh, informative about what's going on with the build for these cars. And yeah, so the they dealership about time frames yet. Yeah, yeah, they haven't been talking anything. It's hard to get the dealerships are getting besieged with orders, but they don't really know what to tell customers. So they're saying mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the best chance that we have, and this is where I did, was Peterson BMW in Boise, Idaho, because it's fairly close to Utah. Yep. Be a fun yep. drive up there. And I told them, mm-hmm. you know what, you guys are film. are working yep. with me. I mean, the the uh, dealership here in Salt Lake wanted five thousand dollars non refundable. That's it. I went really. Which is insane. Do you want my business? And so the guys in Boise, they're awesome. They're great to work with so far. And they said, hey, 1000 bucks down. We'll put your name on the list. I'm number five. And once they get the allocation for a build from BMW, then they will say, okay, what do you want? You know, how do you want your car spec'd? And so at that point, you know, then I can place the order and then hopefully get it soon. But it might be a few months Mm -hmm. after that. 
the worst thing about so this is... You're a little ways out, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, the worst thing about this is they've given me a, a worst-case estimate of 18 months from now. And that means it might be another year before mm-hmm. I can even get it built, which is a bummer. And I'm kind of bummed about that. And by the way, Gavin... Well, and also... Uh, sorry, I don't know if you've thought about this, but I feel like, you know, when we lived in L.A., you think about 18 months, it's a bummer. But whenever the car were to drop, you would get it in drivable weather. But here, we've right. got four or five months out of the year that it's just not usable and drivable. So if let's just say for sake of argument yeah, that yeah, you get a call next February, well, that's not really very helpful because <laughs> yeah. you, you, you've you missed all of this summer of upcoming driving yeah. that we have. You'd be socked in in the winter, have this brand new driver's car and be like, well, all right, well, we'll I'll drive it in April. You know, I mean, that that's, that's the other thing that makes it even harder is we've actually got windows of drivable time around here as far as right. open roads and just right. drivable weather. That, that compounds this whole deal. So, yeah, you're, you're dealing with a possible 18-month wait, but it could be earlier than that and still not be good timing. You're going to miss some good driving time. Yeah, I, that's what's bumming me out. I thought overnight about this. I thought, well, do I still want the car? And the answer is yes. Ultimately, I still want it. I don't want to pay yeah. over yeah. MSRP, and no. I'm willing to wait. So I've sort of resigned myself to waiting. And uh, I just wanted to quickly touch on uh, Gavin's question. He is our shooter for many of our mm-hmm. pieces. You've seen his work on many of our things, including our 50 Years in the yeah, 9-11 yeah. film. He just wrote to us on Facebook and asked me, what packages and features sh- do I want to add to my M2? There's only mm-hmm. one, actually. <laughs> it's There's very ca- few to begin with. Yeah. I mean, it's an M car, so that means all the standard stuff is you know stuff that would be options on other cars. And so there's only yeah. one. It's the executive package. It has the heated steering wheel, the rearview camera, park distance control, that kind of thing. It's only 1200 bucks, and I would get it with that. Mm-hmm. But fortunately, it doesn't blow up the price of the car. And then the only other option is, you know, which transmission do you want, the DCT or the, the um, manual transmission? So um, yeah. very easy to spec out, and I, I definitely do want the car. And so I'm telling all and this to And obviously, you're going to go manual, and, and you, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. wanted to go manual in that executive package and call it a day, which is a low-spec BMW. Are you are you thinking the blue? Is that kind of where you're leaning? Yep, I want it to be Long Beach blue metallic, which is an extra five hundred bucks. Yeah, which bucks. is gorgeous. I love Manual that. transmission. I love that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just I'm I'm all about that color and uh, and the manual transmission, the executive package. Wow, that's that'll it. be awesome. And uh, that'll be awesome. Yeah. So anyway, the dealer whenever said, <laughs> "Yeah, whenever it happens, <laughs> the dealer's telling me, you know, things could happen. People drop off the list because they had a baby or." Things in life change, and so everybody else gets bumped mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. And BMW sure. could come back and say, hey, everybody, we're underway. Things are getting built. We're going to start fulfilling orders. Mm-hmm. Cars are coming your way. That could happen in yeah, six yeah. months. So I'm telling yeah. all this to Todd, and he brings up this great point about, yeah, there's a window of time. If I get the car, you know, hey, delivery in November. Well, it's ski season. I, I'm not going to really get to enjoy it. It's going to be sitting in my garage. I'm going to be, you know, sitting yep. it every day crying, waiting for summer. But uh, – yeah. So I tell all this to him, and, and he says, well, he's got this idea for me that I want to relate to you and see what you all think here. <laughs> he said, well, you're going to need a fun you. car for the summer. Yeah. <laughs> think, okay, where are you going with this? <laughs> By the way, see, we debate for each other here. You know, he's here for me. Absolutely. I'm here for him. He's throwing Absolutely. his suggestions. <laughs> and I'll, I'll let you take it from there. I'll, you know, I, I'm telling you all this well, sort of sob story, and you say, well, go ahead. What, here's the thing. You have you have money that you're kind of building and setting aside for this M2, okay? And obviously, yeah. it's not going to be a cheap car, but it's a car that you can just barely get into. I mean, if you've heard our earlier conversations about your budget, it is in your budget. But obviously, you want to be careful. You don't want to be crazy. So it's not like go out and buy something and throw a bunch of money away or lease something and wave bye-bye to that money. Right. You have to kind of keep that pool of money around, yeah. But you want a yeah. fun car. And I went, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> if you, You've got the garage space for another car. Yeah. And you've got your Jeep that you can drive any time the weather's bad and for all of your errands. So you need uh-huh. you, no utility at all, none. You need zero utility. And the minute the weather turns bad, you've still got a car. So you're talking about a pure fun car. But I know you. I know you don't want to put, if you were going to buy a car in the interim, you don't want to put more than you know 15 to 20 down. And you want to be able to get that money out. So that doesn't mean you could buy – I'll give you my example. You couldn't buy an FRS like I did for 18 and sell it in a year without it being worth probably 15. Well, that's not good for your just financial reality right, of trying to get into the right. M2. 
So what I said to you, and I'm, I'm throwing at the audience to get your thoughts, I think Paul needs to get himself a fifteen to $17,000 S2000 right now because <laughs> in a year when you sell it, I think it'll still be worth fifteen to 17000 It's a focused sports car we both love. You could track it. You could drive it. We can do long terms on it. You can unload it. I think, I think it's just a place to park your money and enjoy yourself. I think you will get out of that car for almost the same you got into it because I know you. You will make that car look and drive pristine – Mm-hmm. which means yeah. you could get out of it for what you put into it. And and because it's your absolutely fun car only, you're not going to put a ton of miles on it. I think, honestly, you've got the M2 happening whenever it happens. But yeah, I'm going to guess yeah. right now you're a year out. So, so I hate for you to miss this summer. Yeah. I think so. I think you should go yeah. get yourself an S2000 pronto and plan to sell it in a year. That's That's my thinking. I, I'm smiling because I like this idea. And I, I thought, let's run it by our audience because – the main yeah. thing that I want to know is if I park my money in an S2000, and I'm thinking something, not not the ones that are the garage queens and they're selling for 25 grand, they have 8,000 no. miles on them. No. And not the beat down ones that have 160. I know they'll run well for a long time, yeah. but something yeah. in the middle, like you're suggesting. And I'm liking the idea. I'm open to it. But audience, am I going to get my money back out of it? Am I going to, is it going to depreciate? Is it going to drop off a cliff? Will it just be an exercise in... Well, you had a fun car, and it's sort of the placebo. It took the place of the BM, the M2 while you're waiting for that car. I like the idea. I love that car. I'm open to it. I'm smiling because it's it's really a pretty good idea. I hate to the more we talk admit. about it, the more I think I'm bringing you around. I'm yeah, telling you, I think yeah. I think it's I think it's the way for you to scratch the itch of wanting a sports car in the interim. And you know, there's no reason for you to go out and get a get another uh, Cayman. And I want you to get into no. something that's going to hang on to its value. And those those S two thousands are kind of frozen in time right now. They're not the Elise, which you know, ten years ago was thirty right. grand, and now right. are thirty grand, and a year from now will still be thirty grand. 30 they're grand, not that yeah, with more miles. Seriously, like, ah. yeah, exactly. But they're not that. But I think the S two thousand is pretty steady right now, and you could get a decent one for everything you want to do. And I know how you'll treat it. You'll end up with a car. That whoever buys it after you will end up with a great car. I think, I, honestly, yeah. I don't know why we didn't go shopping this weekend. Maybe you were wanting to get the audience to respond first. I kind of did. come I kinda, on. I mean, I, I think you're right. I'm really hating to admit that you're right here. But uh, let's let's get some reactions. I'm curious to know what you think. Sure. I'm yeah, curious yeah. to know if you know some nice examples for sale that are decent price and you think I can get my money back out of it because – Ultimately, yeah. I'd sell it. You know, once the M2 comes around, and that'll be our new yeah, yeah, long-term yeah. car, fun car. You know, then sell the S2000. But here I am talking I like it's it happening be, already. Sheesh. But I think it. But I think it would be really fun to have those two cars to be able to put back to back and discuss them both as long terms. Anyway, I mean, look, I don't want you buying this car because of the show. But at the same time, no. it is one of those cars that the show would genuinely benefit from if you had one. And I don't think you'd have it for long. I do, I just think it's. Honestly, it struck me like a sniper shot like we have on this show. (laughs) When we were having this conversation about your M2, I went, wait a minute. Here's what you should do. So fascinated to hear other people's thoughts, but I think it's, I mean, of course, it's my idea, so I think it's wonderful. But uh, yeah, we should try to do some car debates for Funny. other people. Should we do that? Yes, yes, we definitely should. And uh, Rick, again, he brought that Million Mile Lexus that Matt has. Uh, he brought that out to Salt Lake, and Todd had the opportunity to track the thing, which I thought was a yep. hilarious idea. I was well, in UK at the give, time, but I love it. I have that you to give Rick. That. I have to give Rick full props for even that idea because when he first contacted us, I said, look, Paul's not around. I would love to drive it. We should do something. I'd like to do something unique because at that point, a lot of people we knew had covered the car. I was like, I want to do something unique. And he said, kind of joking, Rick says, well, you know, I'm going to go out to the museum at Miller Motorsports Park. It would be hysterical if you could get it on the track. And it was light bulb (laughs) for me. And I went, you know what, Rick? I'm going to call a friend over there and see if we can get it on the track. And he he was kind of floored. He was like, you don't really think we could, do you? And I said, I don't know. We've got a friend Dixon at the track, and Dixon might be able to pull it off. And I had just gotten the FRS. I mean, like a week or so gotten the FRS prior. Right. So Dixon, actually, they had a quiet day at half of the track right at the end of the business day. And the track can be split into two halves, and one half was just nothing was going on. So Dixon said, you know what, guys, come on out. The last, like, half hour of the day, we'll get it on the track. And Dixon drove the FRS around. I put a little GoPro on the back of that to be kind of the camera car. He drove the FRS around, and I drove the Lexus around slowly. And then 
we cleared the track, and I just went and hooned it a bit. And, I mean, hooning is relative. <laughs> it's a relative, it's relative term. Okay. Hooning is. I got to, I think, brakes, 85 brakes. on the front straight and murdered the brakes. And Matt Farah has given me real trouble since, kind of half kidding, that, oh, you're the guy that finished the brakes off. Thanks so much. I mean, they apparently weren't good prior, and I just drilled them right into the ground. Well, if you're skating but on thin ice, Rick, you might as well dance, right? I mean, just exactly. grind but them Rick was the dust. guy that that... Rick was the guy that brought it and has helped Matt keep it running. So, Rick, thank you. And you've written in with an interesting car debate because life is changing. Rick has, has owned an unbelievable number of cars, you know, everything from, you know, Volkswagen uh, camper vans to 5 Series Beamers, big pickups. He had an FRS, actually, uh, and sold it right before I got mine and, and gave me a couple extra parts for mine as a result, which is so pretty cool. Nice, yeah. And I actually remember asking Rick, why'd you get rid of it? And he said, look at me. I'm huge. So Rick, Rick is Rick is a big guy. He's he's bigger than Paul and I are. He's both taller and just bigger than both of us are. So he he actually really liked the FRS, but just said it's just too small for me. Yeah, so Rick's yeah. a big guy. He right now he has a big uh, 2009 Dodge Ram 1500 quad cab with a lifetime warranty. That's just his truck. And again. He does auto mechanic work for all of our friends and also teaches that, so he knows his stuff. He has a 2002 Corvette Z06 as well and a Tahoe four-wheel drive short body, so 99 back when they made the, the short uh, Tahoes. So he's got some big trucks, and he's looking for a new commuter car. As life is changing, he's about to go to a 45-mile each-way, mostly freeway L.A. commute. Just envision that for a second. Let your brain sit in that. This is the opposite of fun driving. And he's going, all right, guys, look at my garage. Nothing works for that commute. What do I do? For those of you who don't live in L.A., the freeways there are preceded by a preposition. You don't take Interstate 405. It is the no, no. or the 405. The 405. The you, 101. So this exactly. is how people from L.A. talk. You can always tell of because course. it's an mm -hmm. entity. It's this living, breathing entity unto itself. And it takes <laughs> it takes effort to go sit in traffic here. And so we don't envy you. Absolutely. But, but uh, I will begin by saying both Todd and I have said between ourselves that we are striving to become more creative in our – our recommendations. Sometimes yeah. that might not work. That might not work for your budget or the you know the needs that you're writing in with. But definitely sure, we want to be sure. more creative and push our own you know sense of what might work, what might work for you. Yeah. And so that's where I'm going. So I will begin by saying that. Keep that okay. in mind as I'm okay. making my All suggestions right. here. Uh, Rick, I like that you thought about the BMW i3, but yeah, I think the range might be cutting it a little close. Uh, mm -hmm. what else? Um, yeah, it's gotta be, well, maybe automatic, maybe manual. You said you have no problem with manual and traffic, but gosh, I think that you might over time, if this is truly going to be uh, your, well, he's, he's acknowledged, he's acknowledged. Yeah. He doesn't have a problem with the manual and the traffic, but he's going, but look what I'm doing. Let's just probably get me an automatic. He's saying yeah. go either way guys, but let's be honest. We all know what we're talking about here. This is automatic cruise territory. This is not. I have, but but the thing the thing he's touching on here, he's kind of wondering about the drive a fast car, drive a slow car, fast fun. He's he's mm -hmm. hoping for something mm -hmm. that he doesn't hate, which of course that's the whole show we do. I mean, we don't want you to hate your car, so he needs a commuter. <laughs> drive things you don't but, but hate. Here's, but here, okay. but here's the key thing: he needs a commuter with good gas mileage, and yet at the same time. He doesn't want to hate it. He wants it to have a little bit of character and fun and be usable. And, you know, when he takes it down an on-ramp, it doesn't feel like, oh, my gosh, this is a terrible car. I have two that are very different that I've thought of. Okay, um, okay. But I, but I really am trying to be guided by two, two major principles. Cars that I know get good gas mileage that are still kind of fun that – Generally, good gas mileage cars that are commuter cars or little cars that I know will still be big enough inside. Mm -hmm. So I've, I've got two, but I'm very curious where you went because it sounds like you're almost sniper shotting this. Kind of. I've got four, but the first oh, wow. three okay. are they, the first three don't count. Let's put it that way. <laughs> this is how sniper shots happen. I you go, you could so. get this, or you could get this, you could get this. Then you go, wait, wait, yeah. wait, and yeah. I'm done. That's how it always happens. It's funny. Yeah, I get it. I get it. So uh, Rick is telling us he's got about twenty thousand into his Corvette and would like to stick to that range. So I'm I'm using twenty k as my guide as I'm yeah. going here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And uh, all right, so I'll just dive in with first of all. I thought, all right, commuter, somewhat fun. Volvo mm -hmm. S60 T5 in the twenty twelve to fourteen. Like, eh, not super thrilled with that decision, but let's keep going. So then I came across okay. 
the 2012 Hyundai Genesis Coupe. Thought getting better, getting warmer. Yeah, okay. Kind of interesting. I don't know that the gas mileage is great, but I, I take your point. Keep going, keep going. So then I thought, okay, maybe if you want more on the just I'm happy in my car in the commute, 2012 Acura TL. Those are decent. They're decent as far as fun. They're still 20 grand. But then I mm-hmm. kind of threw that out the window too. So like I said, those first three don't count. <laughs> And then All I right. landed on it. I landed on it. Okay. For twenty grand, you can get either manual or automatic transmission with this car. And again, it sticks to the fun car, but still good gas mileage. And uh, I'm I'm very curious if you went with where I went because I had a weird random one strike me. This so, is pretty where weird. Are you? What's going this on? This is pretty weird. This okay. is the slow right. car fast thing. Okay. It's the 2013 Fiat 500 Abart. Hysterical! Don't tell me that you was my the same thing. that was my sniper shot too. We don't talk about this, by the way, before we start the podcast. Therefore, to in I'm, an effort to surprise I'm each sh- other, I'm shocked. I'm shocked that we both wound up there. But here's the thing: I, I love that you're there, though. Here's the thing: the the 500 Abart is just fun. It's just personality. Yeah, it's not a track car, but it has all kinds of personality. I, you know, we've driven it with a stick shift. I've driven. I think you did too. On the track in automatic, yeah. guess what? Yep. Wasn't as good in automatic, but I was on a track for God's sakes. Right, okay, right. you're going to be commuting in this car. The exhaust is a laugh, but the thing about it is, the seating position in that car is is kind of high. And when I first started to see those Fiat 500s here in Salt Lake, every person I saw in one was an enormous guy. I mean, a guy that dwarfs Rick. Okay, really, those were the only guys I saw driving those cars originally. That's right. I, when they you first were, that. when they That's first right. were out, it was like winter time, and I'd pull up behind a red beside a redwood and be like, "Oh, it's going to be a woman." No, you're huge. <laughs> I mean, like right, big burly right. construction worker guys in their Carhartt, you know, like full winter, you know, thing for working outside. They're driving a Fiat 500, and I kept going, "Really?" But then I kept thinking, on the other end of the spectrum. Good headroom, good legroom. It's got a kind of a seating position that isn't ideal for a track car, but you're commuting in it. Right, right. You know? And so you've got the personality. You've got a decently fast engine. You, it, When you hit the on-ramps and, on-ramp and off-ramps, the fact that you picked it too boggles my mind because that I makes me think that. that's the car. I can't believe that. I mean, I mean it Rick, has... you have to go buy one now. That's it. I mean, we we didn't coordinate this. We didn't exchange memos. We, I promise you. Know, you're, you. You're, you're, going to be, you're going to be low 30s gas mileage, you know, high 20s, low 30s gas mileage, which is going to dwarf everything else in your garage as far as gas mileage is concerned. But I think you end up with a car with personality that's just kind of fun. It's, it's you know? snorty good fun. I, I thought of this yeah, because it is. Uh, Todd and I learned from Fiat that when we were driving these cars, we'd originally driven a yellow 500 and then the Abart on track and then the Abart as, you know, the car against the Fiesta ST. And we learned yeah, from yeah. Fiat that the hip point and therefore the eye point were higher and deliberately so in an effort, a design effort to make you, the driver, feel as if you're driving a more real car. Mm-hmm. Less low-slung sports car, less yeah. Mini Cooper kind of thinking, but more, you know what, I'm driving a real car, I'm looking other drivers in the eye. So I'm at the same eye level, generally, as other drivers mm-hmm. in bigger cars. But it's still got good proportions, it's snorty good fun, and I thought, well, yeah, yeah. Rick's a big guy. Well, huh. I don't I don't like my other idea as much because it's not as much fun as the Abart, but I want to speak to it in relation. I mean, I'm glad you brought up the, the Fiesta ST because it's in this world, but okay. having driven those back-to-back, okay. back, the Abart is far better for just, just sheer space and hang-out-in car than the Fiesta is. The Fiesta is a focused tool. Mm-hmm. That's not what Rick mm-hmm. needs. He yeah. needs a car yeah. he can hang out in, and it's still fun. I will say this. This is one I don't like as much, Rick, but the other one I had on here is you should look at the Honda Fit. The Honda Fit okay. does not okay. have the personality of the Abart, but it is a space victor. It just wins on space. And every time I've driven one, now I'm I'm going to go manual transmission for a second because Honda does those well. Every time I've driven one, the manual transmission version, it has better handling, especially better steering tip-in, and better uh, better gearbox than I expect it to, and then it still has tons of room and great gas mileage. Even the auto version of that would still be okay. I don't I don't like it as much as the Abart. I don't. But I, I think it. It, it would work. I think yeah. it would work if you really are leaning more commuter car. I think the the Honda Fit gets it done. But the fact that both of us individually went, wound up with the 500 Abart, I think, kind of <laughs> says, and we're done. And scene. There we go. I, I'm finished. I feel like I can hear the disbelief from listeners. Just, yeah, sure, right. You guys didn't mm-hmm. coordinate that. 
promise. Yeah, well, I mean, I I got I got on the I got I, I literally stopped playing with my son and got on the podcast and looked at this sheet as we started recording and went, "What works for Rick?" Oh. Hey, five hundred a Bart. So oh here we gosh. are. Apparently, wow. it's it's a sign. Rick, let us know on that. You ha- and you haven't had one of those in your long list <laughs> yeah, of cars. True. You haven't had anything close. True. Closest thing you've had is a Mini Cooper S, which is an interesting comparo because this is going to have a. I think it's going to feel like it's got more room than the than the Cooper because the Cooper you sit really low with your legs right. out front. Right. The the five hundred you sit. I hate to say it. You sit like you do in a van. You, you know, you've got your you, you got your your thighs very flat and your legs straight down. And you know, I mean, it's it's yeah. I think it would work. I really do. Well, uh, we can help you shop for it, Rick, or we can just let you go. But I think that's your new car. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I, that that's never really happened. I mean, we've had sniper shots. No, I don't think I don't, I don't think, think we've we've really both kind before. of gone. Here's the car from the from opposite angles. But hey, every now and then we do agree. So it, wow. it's frightening and it does happen. But if if I get you in an S two thousand, this will be quite a week for me. I agreed with you on the five hundred to Bart. Get you in an S two thousand. I I that's that this. <laughs> we are getting selling along. the metal over here. We are selling. I don't the metal. know what's happening. That's we should funny. move on to uh, to Nick in in DC, who has a, a I feel like a little bit harder based on our last conversation, a little bit harder question here. And as you said at the top of the podcast, he and his wife are both professional class, classical musicians in Washington DC. Okay, excuse me, family with talent. They have two <laughs> yeah. kids, uh, both under four, uh, and they are a Honda family with the Odyssey and a Toyota family with the Camry. So these are not fun cars. No. That's where this takes a turn, though. And his wife has said, you know what, let's get a third car for kind of weekend fun adventures. And he's kind of driven the usual suspects. And he's coming to us with, what do we do? I think this is pretty funny because I'm really wanting to know what instruments you play, Nick, both you and your wife. Mm -hmm. Because are you pianists? Which means you get to travel in a small (laughs) car and use other people's pianos. Are you flautists? (laughs) Where you travel very light or are you cellists? You use the glove box. Yeah. <laughs> my actually, my uh, niece and nephew are both cellists. My sister and her husband are raising some very fine musicians themselves, and so I'm watching from a musical family standpoint as well. They're cellists, mm-hmm. and they have got the biggest cars imaginable to they get the cellos find. and yep. the dog and the stuff and the Thai yeah. food and everything in the car so they can go to practice. It seems like they're always. Going to concerts and well, they're always and they're they're always. It feels like they're amazing. always on the move to a different city or state yeah. with cellos in the back, which is one of the strangest combination sentences in history. <laughs> but wow, have you limited? Have you limited the number of cars that are available because we have to haul the cellos? Plural. I just you know, I mean, wow. So I'm hoping that's not the issue here, Nick. But uh, the other thing you've said though is that as you've been talking about this, your wife has gone. You know what we should do if we're going to get a fun car? Let's get a convertible. Which makes this harder because you went from, okay, how do we get a fun car to now we'd like to have a fun car that has no top and also has four seats. Wow, we are ratcheting down the difficulty here. So you've got a lot of questions about it. And the one you've landed on, because, of course, you bring this up and it happens, you want to spend maybe 20, 25 grand and you've gone, what about a used Mustang and what else am I missing? Which you're right. Okay, four seats. You want convertible. It needs to be somewhat fun. Mustang quickly rises to the top of that list because Miata's gone. The you know right. the, 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 the STs of the you know. the STs of the world are already out because they're not convertible. They're hatches. I mean, you're just you're throwing cars out left and right. This gets tough. So you're not selling a second S2000 to these people is what you're not going to do, I guess. But I No, I mean, as much as I would like he and his wife to go get an S2000 just for their convertible fun car, that's not working in this scenario. So we're talking about four-seat convertibles and theoretically possibly usable four-seat convertibles. What you have not told us, Nick, is mm-hmm. how tall are you? I'm hoping you and your wife are smaller people because that's going to help in this scenario. But uh, I have thought of actually three, no, four others than the Mustang. And, I, and I, I mean, the Mustang, Nick, you're not out in the weeds. That is an absolute contender. Go drive one. The newer you can find, the better car it will be. They just keep refining the Mustang in the right direction. Yeah. So yeah. it's worth driving in that regard. I'm guessing they don't play the kettle drums, but maybe it's the cymbals. Maybe you guys are cymbal players or xylophone. Do you need xylophone transportation? I don't know. All right. I have uh, chosen seven, and the first six don't count. Seven? Yeah. Yeah. Seven. And did you say the first six don't count? Can we yeah. just go to the last one, please? How long is this podcast going to be? <laughs> well, I, I I had to work my way there, and I think I've snipered this one pretty well, too. But the only really? concern here is price. Because, again, as you said, sure. 
Nick is looking between 2025K, 20, used is fine. Mm -hmm. Uh, they're saying new is okay too, and maybe extend up to the, to the mid thirties, but would rather not. I agree. I don't think you need to yeah. go that high to get into something. I agree, not for the extra car. Um, Mustang is definitely usual suspect, as well as all the other usual ones that you've listed here. And I thought, all right, where should we start? German? Well, it's got to be reliable. So let's throw those out. Let's throw the European German mm, cars okay. out, like the A four convertible a couple, okay. and the three series. Well, yeah, the the A five Cabriolet I think is a consideration. I I just do. I think that you car, do. Okay, okay. I, I do. I think so. Even in the base, even in the base form, it's not an overly powerful car. But the A the A five is the rare German car that I would say to somebody, buy it in the base form. I generally don't like German automobiles in the way you can get them as the base U S spec. I've driven the the base A5 even on the track and was like, you know what? Not half bad. So I think the mm. A5 convertible is, okay. is a worthwhile consideration. Not and bad. I'm going I'm to just... give one other German one while we're here, though. Okay. okay. And, and reliability, you know, yes. You're, if you buy a German car, brace yourself. You've owned a Toyota Camry and a Honda Odyssey, which are cars that are running like in spite of you. A big toaster and, and a little toaster. Your, I mean, exactly. You're going to buy your fun car, which means this car is going to require some maintenance. Just kind of steel yourself to that reality. And, I mean, that's probably even true if you get yourself the Mustang. But I actually think an M3 convertible would be interesting. Hmm. And for that kind of money, you could get an E46 M3 convertible with that kind of money without even trying hard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, I mean, those cars, that, that straight six is a reliable engine. Those cars have got great handling. I think that's got to be on the consideration. I've got two others, but those are my kind of usual, sus usual suspect German ones that if you're going to jump over them, I'm going to mention. But keep going. I like that. I, I see your A5. I had had A4 on my list here, but I see your A5. I just thought, well, German cars, these guys are used to Japanese cars. And yes. from a family Agreed. standpoint, Agreed. I thought, it's all a right, shift. lean towards Japanese. Uh, mm -hmm. Mustang Camaro, yes, interesting. But then I thought, well, those two just look yeah, like Mustang you're driving around in a Robo. rental car. You know, just welcome to rental car. It might. It might. Um, yeah. Meh. And then I thought, well, don't forget about the Volvo C70. That's kind of interesting. We've not driven it. It's, I mean, it's only interesting because it's a convertible with four seats. Otherwise, right. I, don't think, well, I, I don't think of that as a fun car, but I take your point. Keep it, going. It's up there. And, and because of that reason... Um, Nick, I will say, don't you dare consider the Lexus IS convertible because I hated that car. I hope nobody listening yeah, actually owns agreed. one, but really didn't agreed. like it very much. Which led me to my choice, and that is the 2012 Infiniti G37 hardtop. Because excellent, excellent, it's on my a, list as well. Oh, it is. Okay, great. Well, this is absolutely. A spacious I think car. you've got to look at that. Yep. Um, I'm looking them up. I, I mean, a nice one. The 2012s that I'm finding are low miles, but they're still mm -hmm. right around 30. So I don't know if that's a turnoff, but man, I think that car could actually replace the Camry eventually because it, whatever instrument you do play, you've got the minivan. You've got space for kids. Yep. And this is our road yeah, trip yeah. car. Mm -hmm. The Camry, we will fly to DC and help you cut it up with a blowtorch in an effort to rid you of Camrys out of your life. I, I love I love that cars killed by fire is this running trend with you. Just that that just, just we keep coming image. back to that. Anyway, keep going. Yeah. I just think, well, I, I would guess that the car that you do end up getting, you'll start to gravitate towards. It'll be the new thing in your life. You can pack the Let's family so. in, yeah. throw the yeah. top down, put your tuba in the middle section right beside you and you know, have that the sticking tuba. out like a surfboard or something. Hey, that's why we got a convertible because the tuba fits in the back. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. Maybe it's a trumpet. Maybe I, oboes? Is it a reed anyway. instrument? I'm very curious. Um, yeah, anyway. anyway, so I come across this hardtop convertible because the hardtop makes it such a great. It's a real car. It's insulated. Agreed. It's quiet. Agreed. Drive it mm -hmm. all weather, mm -hmm. all year long. We've driven this car and came away impressed. We didn't come away thinking, wow, Canyon Carver, but for a family – for but this it's a, is the car, the go-to yeah. car, it could work. Mm -hmm. It could work. So I'm going with the, yeah, the G37. There's a lot of them for sale here. I think once your wife brought up the you know four-ish seats and a convertible. Mm -hmm. I mean, here, look, I'm going to go ahead and acknowledge there are no roomy four-seat convertibles on the planet. These rear seats on these cars yeah, we're talking true. about are usable depending upon how tall you are and how much space you really need. Most of them are really more two plus twos, and the, the G37, the M3, they're all the, what we're talking about. So not overly usable back seats, but actual back seats with little kids in car seats. This could absolutely work. It really could. 
Uh, so I think it's a possibility. Please don't come away thinking these are roomy. This is a roomy family car. It's not. It's a four seat yeah, convertible. Yeah. But I do like that G thirty seven. Here's the thing. I, I feel like once your wife said let's go convertible, I feel like there's an undercurrent here of let's make it an event car. And an event car is different than just a fun car. The fun car is it doesn't need creature comforts. It just needs to go quick. It needs to be, to be involving. Let's go blast down a canyon. What what on ramp can I do that'll be fun? That car can be forgiven of, of not having a lot of stuff. I feel like this needs to be a car you could take your wife out for a nice dinner. Or you could just be like, let's take that car. Yeah, right. And I think right. the Infiniti does that well. I think the A5 does it well. I think the M3 does it well. I do like that Infiniti. It was a front runner for me. I have a wild card for him, too, though. Ooh, okay. I'm curious. Uh, are you landing kind of on the Infinity? Is that kind of your yeah? Favorite? I'm, I'm landing there just because of reliability think, and yeah. There's so and many the hard top and low convertible. Miles. I I agree. There's, I agree. I think it's a great new. call. I just I think it's a great call. Yeah. I really do. And and that engine you will enjoy. It's a good looking car. I think that's a great great call. My my wild card though is I wonder about a Cabriolet nine nine six nine eleven. Cool. Early two thousands. 911, look, don't, you're not looking for the big boy. Just get yourself a Carrera. Ooh. 996 Carrera. So it's the base Cabriolet. Right. Look, those seats are small. They are, the rear seats are small. I will acknowledge it. This is, is this the greatest 911 ever? It's not. But it's a 911. You're coming out of a Camry and an Odyssey. You've got a convertible 911 in the driveway now. You and your wife can go out to a great dinner, great date, awesome. You can probably, if you're if you're careful and if you're not huge people like we are, you could get the kids in the back and you could take the whole family out in that car and it will just be fun. Hmm. That nine nine six Cabrio, just a Carrera. Why not? And look, I realize it's not for everybody. You've got to brace yourself for maintenance, but you know, twenty five grand. The nine nine sixes. That's the only deal left in the nine eleven lineup. And typically the cabriolets, not always, but typically the cabriolets hold their value less than the hardtops. So that 996 cabriolet may be a find you could pull off. And why not? That'd be mm. cool. It'd just be fun. Look at you recommending Porsches and me not. That's That feels really uh, yeah. strange. I don't know what I don't, to do with I myself. don't know if we're growing or there's something in the water. But either way, it's happened. It has happened. Ooh, trombone fights. That's it. Instead of pillow fights on the weekends, we whack each other with our trombone sliders. That's trombone what we do for fun. Trombone fights. I don't we know. must leave the conversation with poor, poor what Nick is because it? your obsession Trumpets? with what he plays is really going to get us just off into some trouble. French horns? Anyway. French horns. Anyway. Can, can we do Facebook questions? Can we do that? <laughs> okay. All right. Here we go. You guys have sent a lot of really good Facebook questions in. You are responding to that every week. Thank you. We are trying to, to keep that actually focused to Facebook. So we try to post right before we post this. Uh, the, um, sorry, record this podcast. We post a few hours earlier and just say, hey, we're about to record. Got any quick questions for us? We've got a couple tonight. We want to cover uh, Michael's and Alex's questions. Um, and I want to dive in on the Michael one, actually, because we just last week talked about the difference between handling and ride, because I feel like that gets mixed up a lot. Some of you have responded with your own kind of definitions, which is really cool. Thank you for engaging with us on that. But Michael's asking, because of that recent discussion, can we list some favorite cars that we think do both well? What do we think provides a great balance of both handling and ride? Interesting, hard question. Hmm. I like it, though. Yeah, this is good. I can only really think of a couple that stand out, that, that really stand out in my mind for high level on both of those categories, okay. Michael. Okay. The first one is an M3, an, an E90 series mm. BMW mm -hmm. M3. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, they handle so well, but that yeah. car is yeah, a road yeah. trip car. Two-door, four-door, convertible, I don't care. That's a road trip car, but man, it just does so many things well. And then mm -hmm. uh, pretty much Porsches. I, I loved my Cayman. It's a definitely <laughs> stiffer ride, but I think it definitely leans more towards the handling side of the equation, but still good road trip. I mean, you and I drove that back they, from uh, Oklahoma. Yeah. Still good. Your Cayman, I, your Cayman was going to be the one I would list because mm. Porsche in general, I mean, it's, it's what they do well, but Porsche in general, and I hate to, to paddle around in the pool of Porsche with you, but they in general, <laughs> that's what they do really well. Their setup is superb on both, and they do a good job of walking down the middle line. I want to say, just to give you a frame of reference, I brought up the Lotus Elise last week as kind of my paragon of handling, but terrible for ride. I will say to you, though, that the Evora does a very good job. Ooh, good choice. 
Good choice. I the like Avora, that car. The, yeah. I, I prefer I prefer the Avora when it comes to handling over the Cayman. I think its ride is not quite as good as the Cayman, yeah, but I think yeah. it's 80, 90% there, which is quite profound. I mean, I feel like the scale, if you talk about ride and handling, it tipped a little bit more toward handling with the Avora, but that's the way I am anyway. But we're worlds away from where the Elise is. I would, I would road trip an Avora. Mm, yeah. I think an Avora is up there. I the Avora is a be 10 I, in the handling department. Absolutely. It is. It but is. And I'd say it's an 8 in ride, yeah, whereas yeah, I think yeah. the Cayman is a 9 in both. You know what I mean? It's it just does a great job. I, so I think that's good. I love your M3. I'm glad you brought that M3 up because that was the thing. And, and and the key element there that kind of takes me to another thought is that M button. You now have a car that has adjustable suspension, and you can hit a button and change it from one personality right. to the other. Right. That's the great party trick here because when you have cars that do that, that's where you can really have both, and you yeah. decide yeah. what mood am I in, what road am I on. And to that end, I want to mention two. Okay. And it kind of opens up a Pandora's box. But the two I want to mention are paragons of this idea. And that is, find something with GM's magnetic ride control. Yeah, yeah. Because it does that dual personality masterfully well. And the two I want to bring up are the Corvette C7. You want to road trip that car. You want to make it soft. Make it soft. Cruise. Go wherever. Hit potholes. I mean... Preferably not, but you can. <laughs> Don't is my point. Yeah. Okay, you know, but then you can dial it down and make it tight, and the handling's amazing. And another car that does that better than you expect, we bring it up all the time: the Chevy SS, yeah. because of that magnetic ride control. Yeah. You could do both. So the magnetic ride control is the great kind of ace in the deck. There, anything in the GM lineup that has that will probably pull this off. But where that, I feel like that's a key element. You've got cars like the Avora and the Cayman that are just tuned to try to do everything well, which is hard, very hard. These cars like the M button and the you know the magnetic ride control that can change it up, that gives you genuinely both. Yeah, no, good choices. Those are excellent. I mean, Cadillac even could be in that category, but anything with the mm-hmm. magnetic ride, I love those choices. Yeah, the CTSs, yeah. yeah pretty yeah. great. Um, Michael, thanks for writing the question in. We've got another one here from Alex. Asking, yeah. what do we use for ticket avoidance? And besides the massive quantities of speed, of course, unless the authorities have an airplane <laughs> handy. But uh, no, uh, he's asking about radar detectors using the Waze app, uh, Escort, Jammers. We don't use Jammers. Um, I, I, I cross fingers and pray most of the time. That's really what I do. Yeah. <laughs> Just nail the no, throttle and true. cross your fingers. That's right. not true. <laughs> right, right. That's not true. Alex, my, my, my answer to you, Alex, I, and I want your, your answer is going to be longer than mine. I, my answer to you, Alex, is actually I use patterns and a lot of observation and I really pick my roads. Yeah, I just, sure, I'm sure. a guy that I travel about 10 miles an hour above the speed limit all the time, which is in that kind of gray area that most people travel. I try to be really careful. I use my cruise control a ton, and I only really kind of get stupid on a road where nobody is. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's, that's my kind of less than ideal version. And the Waze app is cool because you do start to see patterns in, oh, by the way, you're in a new city and they always have a cop here. That's helpful. But I know because I drive the same areas a lot, I start to get a, a sense of where do they hide, where can they hide, and I'm just careful. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm aware yeah. of where I, what I shouldn't, should and shouldn't be doing, and I try, <clears throat> not always, to adhere to that. You know, <laughs> I'm glad you said cruise control because I use that all the time in my Jeep now, and it's yeah. so funny when oh, you yeah. start to go up a hill, you start to blaze by everybody who's not watching their speed. Mm-hmm. But then down the hill, everybody mm-hmm. crests, and you're going, I'm going the same speed, everybody. You don't have to, you know. Yeah. Crush me from behind. Anyway, yeah, cruise control is a good one if you just want to hang out. But the biggest one is, Alex, I will say, if you go to any car show and find exotic Mm -hmm. cars or even mid-level exotic-ish cars and find the radar detector that's in there, and I will say nine times out of ten, it's a Valentine one. And I am Mm -hmm. not paid to say that. We are not sponsored. I kind of wish we were because – they're yeah. a great company, and I I'm was, writing them an email right now. Anyway. We should actually. We need to talk about them <laughs> because that thing yeah. was not cheap. It was four hundred bucks, but it has paid for itself time and again for me. Yeah. I had it with the Cayman and the Audi before that. I use it in the Jeep, and it's something that I like the design philosophy that they've done. It's not the mm-hmm. prettiest or most most elegant product design ever, but it is a metal enclosure. And if you send that back to them periodically for updates, they will update the firmware and put new hardware in there for you, mm-hmm. change circuit boards, and update you with whatever latest technology they're working on in the same enclosure, send it back to you for 99 bucks, 
And I've, like I said, it's paid for itself. You've, I rely on it You've constantly. been a believer for a long yeah. time. And yeah. you have, we could almost fill a podcast with the number of stories oh, yeah. you've done. Seriously, we should write them to see if they want to sponsor us. Because you could fill it's a, a whole idea. podcast with stories of times, I remember specifically in L.A., because L.A. was the great variable. I mean, a cop would randomly be hiding in a place he was ne- who he would never right. hide again. He, right. He's going to hide behind this dumpster that happens to be dropped right here, right now, and, and a week from now will be gone. And he'll only do that for this week, right. and you'll so never see him very again. very unpredictable kind of... You had so many times that you got a warning in your Cayman, just a little bit of a chirp before, and you went, wait, what's going on? And it was just enough for you to back off yeah. and be saved. Yeah. I, yeah. I, as much as I'm not a believer, and as much as I'm a guy that has never put money into one, if I did... I'd back your play on that. I do see that. I mean, they are not foolproof, and they are not a guarantee. That's not what they're designed to do. It's just a little bit of advance warning for you to make a decision, mm-hmm. and in many cases, that's enough. So I'm I'm all about the Valentine one. I know Escort, and they, there's a lot of good ones mm-hmm. out there, and people will swear by them. I know that. But look at supercars. Look at Lamborghinis and Ferraris. Betcha it's a Valentine one. So that's mm-hmm. my, my thought for everybody for uh, – for that one. So thank you guys so much for, uh, for the, the Facebook messages. And that is for yeah. uh, when we post them up. So we, we do that just before we podcast and just to say, Hey, what's on your minds? What are you thinking about? And especially looking forward to your feedback on this M2 slash waiting <laughs> period that Todd Get has yourself suggested. an S2000 and call it a day. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. I, that's the answer. I don't think you're wrong, and that's that's what's frosting my chest. And that, right that's now. what bothers you. That what bothers you so Jeez. much is the fact that I said it, and the more you think about it, the more you go, "Dang it, that's a really good Dang idea." It, it so, is. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> ah, all right. Well, uh, wow, we're almost to the hour again here. That's amazing. Yeah, here, this, is, this is the new this is the new podcast. Apparently, apparently we but get yeah, the lab, <laughs> especially with the questions and everything. Well, but we're adding a lot. We got people's questions and everything. Yeah, it's just starting yeah, to starting good. to add up, which is cool. So thank you guys again. Please rate the podcast on Stitcher or iTunes. We'd love to hear that. Of course, we're doing videos as fast as we can. We're targeting every Thursday. It'll be almost every Thursday throughout this calendar year. We've got some big stuff coming up. And uh, the tuning video is actually on its way shortly, so be sure you're watching those, sharing them, and rating them as well. And if you aren't subscribed to YouTube, I don't really know why you aren't, but we'd love to have you there too. So, uh, yeah, don't please an join us on all of those areas, and uh, we're really glad you found us here. Yeah, thank you guys so much. Uh, films. Don't forget the films. We've had a big uptick in the downloads, the rentals and downloads on Vimeo mm-hmm. for all three films. If you still haven't seen that, we encourage you. I still have a stack of Blu-rays. Love to ship that to you. Thank you guys for your support. And looking forward to talking to you next week. Thanks, guys.